1973, the demon Pazuzu exploded onto the big screen by possessing young Regan McNeil and waging war against the inexperienced Father Karras and the seasoned exorcist Father Marin. The battle raged on until Father Marin was killed, and Father Karras sacrificed himself by allowing himself to be possessed by Pazuzu, then hurling himself from the bedroom window, killing himself and sending the demon back to hell. Or so it seemed. What happened to Reagan McNeil? Can an evil that powerful ever truly be defeated? What in the hell is going on? Most of these questions are answered in the sequel that nobody really asked for, our first official sequel episode on the podcast, 1977's Exorcist II, The Heretic. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And you're listening to Filmgasm. Welcome back to the world of The Exorcist. Thanks regrettably. To, regrettably, yeah. <sniffs> Thanks to the book of Filmgasm, we are diving into one of the most reviled horror films of all time, a film that rests on IMDb's bottom 100 at number 96, Oof. sandwiched between Holmes and Watson and The Cat in the Hat. Oh my God. <laughs> Too horrendous. Oh Actually, my. I haven't seen all of Holmes and Watson, so I can't totally say, <laughs> but I've read, you know, a bad thing. Cat in the Hat. That's Ooh. not good company to keep. Rough movie. Oh my gosh. This is a film that adds nothing to the mythology of this franchise beyond the name of the demon, Pazuzu. A film that everyone involved has adamantly stated was a paycheck gig, particularly Richard Burton. You know the drill. This is the Filmgasm podcast where we talk movies and how much we love them, even hot garbage like Exorcist 2. And for you sticklers out there, this is our opportunity to acknowledge that we did do bonus episodes on It Chapter 2 and Dr. Sleep. However, since they were bonuses, we have no issues calling Exorcist 2 our first sequel episode. And thanks to the Book of Filmgasm, there will be a lot more sequels to come. But we'll do every franchise in order. If we draw Friday the 13th Part 4, our next movie will be the first Friday the 13th. On, or whichever film in said franchise is next in the haven't done it pile. Let's not confuse people here. Yeah. I figure that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, well, and especially like with this... Uh, you know, with The Exorcist, I neither of us had seen this one, and we also don't want to jump to the next one. Yeah. That'd be that'd be unfair to us as viewers if we're going to be the ones talking about it, you know? And besides, it's more fun to kind of build a, a series inside the podcast yeah. in and, order like that. And see just how shitty yeah. the movie is. Because we will be doing part three, The Beginning, and Dominion at some point. Yes. But hopefully not for a while, because yeah. I, I need to decompress from this shit. <laughs> So, I've got three updates for you on the Rewind. One for episode 24, Jaws. One for episode 25, The Coen Brothers. And one for 65, The Road to El Dorado. First up, our Jaws update. Get ready for this. Here we go. Being that this year is the 45th anniversary of the classic film, there is a stage musical being put together called Bruce. It's a musical about the making of Jaws, telling the story of Spielberg's journey to make a horror classic despite rampant production problems and a mechanical shark that just wouldn't work. It's currently set for release in 2021 at New Jersey's Paper Mill Playhouse. <laughs> that is incredible. Oh, I hope it I hope <coughs> it tours. <laughs> it better. I need to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds fantastic. What? A, that'd be a wonderful time. We'll, we'll be there. Oh my God, that's we beautiful. Will, we will be there. <laughs> oh man. Next up, production on the Coen's upcoming adaptation of Macbeth has been halted due to fear of coronavirus. The film stars Denzel Washington as the Scottish Lord, 
and Frances McDormand as his devious wife. It co-stars Brendan Gleeson as King Duncan, Corey Hawkins as Macduff, and Harry Melling as Malcolm, among other cast members. It's shaping up to be highly ambitious and an interesting take on the Scottish play. It's also being helmed solely by Joel Cohen, without the help of his brother Ethan. wonder what that's all about. They never do things by themselves. Separately, yeah. Mm. That's bizarre. Well, I mean, you work together on every film for 30-something years. You want to try it out on your own? I get that. Macbeth with Denzel and Francis McDormand. That's very interesting. Yeah, his wife, yeah. <sighs> uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I mean, you know, we'll be there again whenever it does occur. Of course. Yeah. Finally, in our recent episode on the road to El Dorado, I had mistakenly said that Frank Welker was the voice of Optimus Prime in the Transformers franchise. Welker was, in fact, the voice of Megatron. Yes. Among other Decepticons, Optimus Prime has always been voiced by Peter Cullen. So my apologies to you sticklers out there. Yeah, you get on IMDb, it gets confusing when you're uh, looking at the voices because, yeah, some of them do multiple robots. Yes. It's weird, man. Welker was a Megatron, Galvatron, Starscream, Radio Shack. I don't fucking know. Transformers, not my cup of tea. Just never has been. Sorry. No. no. (laughs) But we still want to be accurate here. And, you know, when we screw up, we we fess up. So there it is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mea culpa. Now... (laughs) Had you, you've never seen Exorcist 2 prior to this podcast, but... No. What did you heard about it? Uh, I've never met anybody that I've, that's, like, seen it, like, talked to anybody, you know, because you don't ever go there necessarily. Like, if you ever in an actual conversation with a horror fan and you're talking about, you know, movies and maybe The Exorcist comes up, 1973, of course, and one that, of course, we talked about and is actually very good, a very well-done movie. Uh, this one just, you just, it's just kind of like, yeah, it gets put on the, you it's know, less than that. Like, it gets, I've, it, gets, I've it gets, it gets put, you know, behind the shelf, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I've always stayed away from it. I don't like things to get, uh, ruined. I don't actively seek out shitty movies. Yeah. Either. No, neither do I. Yeah. yeah. You definitely know that I, I very rarely will give like a movie I review, like a score lower than like six or seven because I, I, I try to stay away from movies. I think I'm going to hate. And I, I've always known that I'd probably hate this because everything I read, everything I've heard on other podcasts, movie podcasts, they say it's a pile of shit, you know? Yeah. That it, it just doesn't work on any level. It's scattered as hell. Uh, yeah, they're right, you know? It's all <laughs> it's all there for a reason. It is makes no goddamn sense to me. I feel like it requires multiple watches just to gather your thoughts, but I don't ever want to do that. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about it. It's, yeah, it's definitely, to me... Mutually, the shittiest movie we've done. Oh yeah, uh, you, you and I, neither of us like it at all. We've we've never really gone there on the podcast. Uh, that's the book of film guys, for you, man. <laughs> it's gonna do that to us every once in a while. Yep, they can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah, this was just. I've heard stories about Exorcist Two being one of the worst horror films of all time, and just a ultimate letdown after the first one, which is still you know groundbreaking, and. When I read that Richard Burton and Louise Fletcher were in this, I thought, well, it can't be that bad. Yeah, you know, like, what? what's the deal here? But it was that bad. <laughs> and, I mean, of the franchise, other than the first one, I've seen Exorcist 3, and that's really good. I like that one. That one's done really well. I like that one, yeah, because that one you read is scary. Yeah. You know, good, yeah. You're told to stay away from 2. You really are. <laughs> it's It's got a rep. Yeah. Like we said, it's in the bottom 100. That's... That's pretty incredible. Oof. So, 
British director John Borman was brought on to direct Exorcist 2 after he had turned down the first film because he thought the story was, quote, rather repulsive. He was intrigued with doing the sequel because he thought he could use this opportunity to turn The Exorcist into a cerebral horror event that explored new avenues with the source material. Some of Borman's other directing efforts include Deliverance, Zardos, and Excalibur. He's been nominated for five Oscars. Best Director for 1972's Deliverance and 1987's Hope and Glory. Best Original Screenplay for Hope and Glory. And Best Picture for Deliverance and Hope and Glory. So this was an accomplished guy. Yes. This was a guy who already had made it, you know, made his uh, his big movie, Deliverance. Which an Oscar guy. Yeah. Also in the book. Haven't seen that one. But um, I, kind of a safe choice. Like... I'd be interested to see what this guy's well, take on it is. Yeah, it makes sense because you got from the uh, first one, first from 73, you got uh, William Friedkin, who had just done French Connection. So it's like, yeah, it's like you're you're assigning a legitimate Oscar-worthy uh, writer, director, or, you know, uh, someone yeah. to someone to make your, you know, construct your film. So, I don't know. It, it just, uh, it doesn't make sense. And like you said, I, I like Louise Fletcher, you know, what the hell? This is two years after One Flew Over, you know, a movie we talked about recently. And she's, she does, she's almost playing a very similar character. Uh, yeah, and looks sim- similar, yeah. I don't like it. It's unsettling. In, in, a, in a dumb way. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither William Friedkin or William Peter Blatty wanted anything to do with the sequel. Nope. They both thought it was a bad idea. Yeah. Right on the money there. Yeah. Linda Blair reprises her role as Reagan McNeil, but she refused to wear the demon makeup. Those scenes were done with a double. She later expressed her regret with the film, tried to get out of it, but her contract was there tight. She later called this the biggest regret of her career. Woof. (laughs) Wow. Yep. Max von Sydow also reprises his role as Father Marin in several flashbacks. He was reluctant to return due to his concerns over the negative impact of the first film. For those of you who keep up with the show, you'll know that Max von Sydow died earlier this month at age 90 from undisclosed causes. And uh, he was a powerhouse, and I really don't like that they sucked him back into this. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Completely unnecessary. Really kind of undermines the first film in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of, you know? Yep. That's what a bad sequel can do. It can tarnish the rep of the great film. Well, just because your mind is going to go like, ah, oh, yeah, shit, you know? Like, there's one that's shit. <laughs> and you can't, like, ah, uh, you know, I... This is different, but I, you know, I talk about like uh, loving like the Indiana Jones trilogy, and just kind of disowning the fourth one altogether. Yeah, it's so many years later, and it's just so much worse in quality. Off the top of my head, there is only one perfect horror franchise, and that is Evil Dead. Yeah, all three of those fucking awesome. I'm with you on that. The remake's actually pretty good. The TV show was awesome. There's no weak link in the Evil Dead franchise. Yeah. I'm sure there's other ones, but of what I've seen, yes, that's yeah. that's my top. Uh, certainly not The Exorcist. No, and you know <laughs> we we love Halloween. No, you know, yeah, yeah these franchises tend to they, Elm Street, Friday, Texas Chainsaw. They know. all have very weak films. They all have yeah. They they all have like their black sheep, you know. Oh yeah, very much or multiple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oscar nominee Richard Burton was cast as Father Philip Lamont the priest who is tasked with the Vatican to investigate Father Marin's death and determine if he had renounced God before his death. Because this is a 
great use of Vatican time. Burton was a highly respected film and stage actor, known to a lot of people as Elizabeth Taylor's on-again, off-again husband. The two would marry three separate times. They were a, they were a mess. <laughs> Shit show. Burton was nominated for his performances in 1952's My Cousin Rachel, 1953's The Robe, 1964's Beckett, 1965's The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, 1966's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, 1969's Anne of the Thousand Days, and 1977's Equus. So he was a very accomplished guy. Oh, yeah. He later admitted to taking the role to pay for an upcoming divorce to Liz Taylor. <laughs> He's like, I got a divorce coming up. I got to take this. There you go. Shit show for shit show. To know... You get what you put in, you know? They... We don't have the we don't have time to unravel the mystery that is Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. No. Liz and Dick, complete shit show from beginning to end to, to beginning to end to beginning to end, because <laughs> they just kept going back to one another. Because frankly, I don't think anyone else could handle those insane, fiery motherfuckers. <laughs> Burton tragically died in 1984 at age 58 from a cerebral hemorrhage. Very sh- sad way to die. But uh, honestly, I have not seen a lot of Richard Burton's work. Neither have I. I've seen a lot of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and that great movie. Very, uh, like, clearly him and Liz are drawing on their relationship. Yes. It's not even a secret. But that's kind of it. That and Exorcist 2, not a good basis to have for Richard Burton. Uh, <laughs> rough. <laughs> you know what I always just picture? I picture Bill Murray and Scrooged when he's going to the homeless shelter and they think he's Richard Burton. And they won't leave him alone until he starts saying lines from Hamlet. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. Oh, I watch it every Christmas. I <laughs> I gotta watch more Richard Burton. I can't have that as my basis. For- yeah, I gotta do some homework. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oscar winner Louise Fletcher was cast as Dr. Jean Tuscan, though the role was originally written for a man. No shit. His character her character's name is Jean. Chris Sarandon and George Siegel were both considered. When the character was changed to female, Fletcher was cast. I suspect so the film could capitalize on her recent Oscar success with 1975's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a film we covered recently on the show. And yeah, obviously, they're like, she just won an Oscar. She could bring some gravitas to this thing. Let's get her. (laughs) Chris Sarandon, I'm glad he avoided this. Because this was right after Dog Day Afternoon and right like. He might, if he'd done this, it might have blacklisted him in the horror community, and he yeah. might never have gotten to do Fright Night. Oh, man. Sometimes things work out. <laughs> Louise Fletcher sacrificed her career so Chris Sarandon's could live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You gotta look at it in uh, you know, glass half full. Yeah. Kitty Wynn reprises her role of Sharon Spencer, Reagan's mother's assistant. Ellen Burstyn did not return. Very smart move. And her absence is explained by Chris McNeil being out of town shooting a movie. So just great parent there. My kid was possessed by a demon four years ago and might be coming back, but I've got a deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Oscar nominee James Earl Jones plays Kakumo. What the fuck for? I don't fuck. He's the first healer to be possessed by Pazuzu and drive him out. Pazuzu! Pazuzu goes after people with great power. And like great, George Vader. Great good. Like George Vader and like the blind guy from Sandlot. James Earl Jones. It's like the it's like John Borman didn't see the movie. He didn't watch I, The Exorcist. He, yeah, no, not at all. 
Jones was nominated for his performance in 1970's The Great White Hope, and he won an honorary award in 2012. Jones is perhaps best known as the voice of Darth Vader in the Star Wars franchise, as well as the voice of Mufasa in The Lion King. He's one of those guys who's been around forever and always pops up, and he's got maybe the most recognizable voice in Hollywood. Just that booming, powerful voice. So great. Despite the lack of critical success, the film was financially successful. It grossed $30 million on a budget of 14 though it has an IMDb score of 3.8 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 15%. It stands as arguably the worst of the franchise, and as I said earlier, it's remembered as one of the most disappointing horror sequels of all time. Yep. And let's get into this thing. Oof. This thing? I don't even know what, it, yeah, what you call it. <laughs> so, were you bummed out that they didn't use tubular bells, like the... It's like the essential exorcist music. Of course. Right from the get-go, you're like, oh, fuck up. Yeah. I was waiting for that the whole movie. Exorcist yeah. 3 uses that? Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this film was trying to, like, accomplish or what they were trying to, like, stand out and do. I don't know. Didn't work. Oh, no. Didn't work at all. So we open on Father Philip Lamont in Rio, in the slums. He's a priest struggling with his faith. Sounds familiar. And he's attempting to exercise a possessed South American girl who claims that she can heal the sick. Yes. Apparently, all demons ever go after is people who can heal the sick, which kind of doesn't really... Like, it undermines the first movie there. When in the first movie did Regan or Reagan ever show any kind of healing power or... <laughs> what the fuck? Ugh. I... <sighs> Well, he fails. He doesn't exercise this girl. She just keeps going, why me? And then she burns to death in a very lazily superimposed burning scene. Like, it was very clear she wasn't in the fire. It was so lazy. Yeah. I almost wanted to turn it off at that point. Five, but, not even five minutes into the movie. But I paid it, <laughs> but I paid two ninety nine. That's right. And we have to talk about it here. But God, it doesn't even get it doesn't even get better. You're like, oh, maybe it'll go uphill. The no. only way we could get a hold of this film is if we paid two ninety nine to rent it through Amazon Prime. That's what we both did. That's too much money for this piece of garbage. But it could, really is. Yeah. Honestly, oh, man, I'd you know if you like had to pay a certain amount, you know, like to rent it on Prime, I'd give it like a nickel. You know, if somebody a dime, g- if somebody gave me ten dollars, I would still say no <laughs> to rewatch it yeah. for sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, oh, man, if you, I saw, you need to buy me a full ass meal. If yeah. I was at the community center and I saw one of those like, you know, removable slips of paper for, you know, watch Exorcist 2 for ten ninety nine. We'll give you money. Ugh. I would just walk right past it and get guitar lessons because I'm I don't need that shit in my life again. <laughs> yeah yeah neither do i i yeah it is one of those things like yeah you'd have to pay me to do it again because i'm i'm good during these trying times Those two hours it's an hour yeah. and 57 minutes I, I i paid attention so i was pausing it like come on how much more time do i have left i uh i watched man. like 25 minutes of it then i left i was at my family's place oh you took a break that's good i, I left I really do that. i drove home i watched the rest of it I paused halfway through to do something else because I was like, this is good God. <laughs> What's and I came back to it like, okay. All right, they're in Georgetown. This has got to be coming up soon. Oh my God, what? There's a battle now? What? 
Why are there two Reagans? What what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. So is that yeah? Where did the house go? I don't, know. I don't understand this movie. End credits. They're still not using I, the music. I was okay. like, I was like on my phone for five seconds, like just kind of like I think I just got a text from like my brother, and I was like, uh, and I, yeah. And then I looked up, and I was like, is that the same Reagan? Or or what? Uh, what movie? What movie? Bri- oh. I asked my girlfriend, did you change the? Ch- what movie are we watching? Is this scary movie too? What yeah. the hell's going on? Oh my god! No, that's, that movie's actually okay. That's better than this. I'll watch that over this. So, after failing to save this girl, Lamont goes back to the Vatican, where yep. he's assigned by a car- random cardinal who I thought was the Pope, because he walks in wearing the Pope's clothes. Yeah, and then takes off those clothes to reveal a cardinal uniform. I don't think they know how the Vatican works. No, not at all. <laughs> not every cardinal was dressed like the Pope. That's I'm not even a Catholic, and that's pretty common. Who's this movie trying to fool? Who is this for? <laughs> what poor sap out there like owns every copy of Exorcist Two? <laughs> like just oh my god, there's some. Somebody out there's enough people in the world where someone loves this. Somebody this is somebody's favorite movie, (laughs) and I hope I never know them. (laughs) If you're listening, fucking turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) I can give you a laundry list of way better movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, it's pretty bad. I feel like if you are into this, if, if if you love this movie, you you might have problems. Socializing, <laughs> you might not have a lot of friends. You might not know what the word "good" means, but hang in there because there's hope. I don't know where, I don't know how, but I'm sure there's hope. Look for it, find it, get help. So, Lamont is told by the the, the Cardinal Pope to investigate the recent <laughs> death of <laughs> the Cardinal, I, the Cardinal Pope. I can't get over what this guy looks like. Oh, my God. Father Marin recently died or four years ago, and now they're investigating it, which is odd. Yeah. Yeah, do they not? That's not explained yet. By the way, the first movie came out in 1973. Like, what are we? Oh, Oh, and fuck Father Karras, I guess. Nobody cares about his death. The one who actually pulled this off. So... Father Lancaster Marin was killed four years prior when he was exorcising a demon from Reagan McNeil. The Cardinal is not convinced this was a legit exorcism. He thinks that Father Marin renounced God and was faking all this in order to... I don't know. (laughs) There's no motive here. No. (laughs) Just things happening. Yeah. We're just going to be saying sentences that make... That make no sense. They won't really correlate even. So Marin is being brought up on heresy charges posthumously due to his controversial writings. Yeah. And Vatican authorities are trying to modernize and they don't want to acknowledge Satan as an actual evil entity. So I never thought I would ever see a movie where the Vatican renounced the devil. <laughs> that's that's pretty big. <laughs> for uh... That, uh, that, yeah, that might get... Um... Get, get the world uh, riled up. Might get the globe a little, a little stirred up. It's like, look, we're a positive and progressive church. You see that Buddy Christ over there? That's us. You guys remember Dogma of the Buddy Christ? Because that's, that's what I picture. Yeah, same. With same. progressive church. And <laughs> Satan. Oh, we don't use that anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> 
Satan's not real. God is real. But Satan, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Only no. good exists. That's it. There is no evil in the world. This is a very dangerous mindset to have. Extremely. And Father Lamont's like, all right, yeah, I'll investigate Father Marin's uh, death, despite the fact that I've done some exorcisms myself, and I happen to know evil's real. None of this comes up. No. So while Lamont heads to America to go investigate this, we meet teenaged Reagan McNeil, who's going to a school. She's seemingly okay. She's felt like she's doing the school play. Her guardian, Sharon, is in New York while her mother's away on location filming a movie. And Regan, or I'm going to, it's spelled Regan. It's pronounced Reagan. I'm going to go back and forth, so just go with it. Just, <laughs> just deal with it. Just, just <laughs> deal with it. There's more important things to worry about with this movie yeah. than the pronunciation of Regan McNeil. So she's monitored at a psychic institute by Dr. Gene Tuscan. Because everyone, not psychic, psychiatric. <laughs> My mistake. It becomes psychic. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> you, could, you could say that. <laughs> but everyone kind of thinks she went completely fucking insane for a while. Nobody believes she was possessed by the devil. Not even herself. She doesn't remember anything of, that, of, of what happened. So she just, you know, is in the school plays. You know, it's totally normal. It's all fine. Yeah. You know. It's weird. She doesn't remember anything. Her life is totally fine. And then this asshole shows up and completely ruins her life again. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. So Jean believes Regan's memories are repressed. That they're in there but she doesn't want to face them for fear of what she might see, which is true. And you should probably just leave that because you don't want to bring this kind of evil back. Well, like, all right. So if you were to make an exorcist too, there you go. Just, just take that little small seed, that little plot of Reagan's probably fucked up from what happened in exorcist one. Let's show a movie of her dealing with that and leave it at that. That's brilliant. Leave it at that. Keep it simple. The first movie's, Pretty cut and dry. It's pretty simple. You know, it's... Introduce some, like, crazy anti-demon bad guy. Some, like, renegade priest who wants her dead. Yeah. Something yeah, like who's that. like, hey, we gotta get rid of her. Yeah, like, she still has this thing in her. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we just did... I, yeah. Well, yeah, like, fucking focus on something. It's but way no, better. We're, like, fucking 20 minutes in. You know, there's a whole other huge chunk of the movie we haven't talked about that goes nowhere. It takes the... Yeah. It takes turns that are so dumb. But when it should have been going, it should just been going like straight the whole time. If Regan still has Pazuzu inside of her, <coughs> then why? Like, what did Father Karras accomplish in the first one? Because he drove Pazuzu yeah. out and killed himself to save Regan. So that what? Like he only yeah. drove out like forty percent. Like what? Yeah. To me, to me, it makes more sense to have a a high school, high, you know, same age Regan, yeah. just mentally. Mulling the shit over, Explore even even the- if even if, um, you know, Karis did the job and the demon is gone, mentally dealing with that and confronting it could bring it back up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Explore the psychological ramifications of being possessed by pure evil. Yeah, and the first movie is so, uh, it's so good, and it's so about what you believe in your head is like what's true, and it's so fundamental. It's like such fundamental horror. It's not even like that scary necessarily. It's just about about those like those like grassroots of horror of story of the horror storytelling, and it's constructed really well. Like it's a good movie, it has good acting. This one like straight away from all of those things, 
everything that makes the Exorcist, the Exorcist, and on like every top ten, you know, horror movies of all time list, like it, they strayed away from it. They fucking abandoned it and didn't care. You know, it's just that's what's frustrating. What is they, when yeah. you is like when you know there's like an easy sequel right there for you. <laughs> like holy shit, or like Exorcist three. They proved like they can make a fine movie. You know, like why does this? I don't know. It's just frustrating, man. Like, I, I don't know. It, it comes down to, I guess, like, just lack of ideas, but it just seems like it's there. Well, the biggest like problem is they wanted to remake The Exorcist on a budget. Yeah. They wanted to capture that same idea. They wanted, you know, the priest with a crisis of faith. They wanted yeah. a little girl. But they had, they didn't have the same substance. Oh, no. They lacked William Peter Blatty's imagination and William Friedkin's masterful direction. And... The whole cast, their heart's not in it either. So, like, nobody here gave a shit. Yeah. When you have nobody caring about the, the product, how do you expect anybody else to do, to care? Yeah, especially people who like the first movie. Yeah. Especially which, people like us which who is like the, the first movie. Which is, like, the only target audience you're going to have. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. Frustrating as hell. So, <sighs> so, Regan remembers nothing. Jean's trying to kind of get it out of her. Father Lamont visits the Institute to talk to Riggett about the circumstances of Father Marin's death. But again, she doesn't remember it. Uh, Jean is like, uh, why are you talking to her about this? Maybe that's not the best approach. And <laughs> Jean decides to use this experimental technology that she built called the Synchronizer, which, <laughs> okay, enables her to kind of go into Regan's subconscious. It's like Inception. It It's nonsensical as hell, and it's a substantial chunk of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, again, again, yeah. What, what, where, where are you going? Where are you going? Also, this movie, again, like we say this a lot, probably might be, might just be kind of redundant at this point, but it applies, especially in horror. Why is this movie an hour and 57 minutes? <laughs> it could have been, like, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? Yeah. You, you need to be The Shining if you're going to do that. You know, like you don't make a two hour, two hour plus horror movie unless it's unless you're good. <laughs> you need to get to the point. <laughs> That's not what they did here. It goes so, it goes like in a roundabout. Ugh. And, you know, I kind of like um, I can go for the movies that don't quite have a narrative or can kind of be like almost like in a dream state. You know, I love like David Lynch, but this is like. Pick a side, man. Like you're not even you're not even doing anything. You know, you're just like a you know four year old throwing darts. <laughs> I don't even know. You know, it just doesn't work. Ugh. I hate the kind of movies where everybody has an idea, and instead of sticking with one of those, they take all of the ideas and shove them into the movie. Exactly. And this is that. Exactly. You know? I want hypnosis. Fine. All right. Yeah. I want more Regan. Fine. All right. I want a new priest. Fine. I want to go to Africa. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> just. God damn. Just do it. <laughs> Oh, it's insane. So Jean uses this technology to synchronize her brainwaves with Regan's. I sound ridiculous just saying that. But she sees a bit of the exorcism. And, oh my God, way to take the, the scare factor away from the first movie. The brief little glimpse we get into the exorcism where Max von Sydow just kind of like, oh, ooh, uh, falls on the ground while evil Regan just kind of taunts him. Doesn't even, it does not feel like the same movie. Nope. Ugh. And Gene is like, 
horrified and she starts having heart palpitations and every nobody reacts like they're like you gotta you gotta get out of her mind instead of like you know getting calling nine one one like this it, she's almost she almost dies getting into Reagan's mind or at least that's what I gathered from yeah it. yeah it's a little tough to explain so Lamont is he wants something more tangible so he goes back to Georgetown with Sharon to the house where the first one happened, the exorcism took place. And in that scene, we get absolutely nothing. It goes so fast. It's such a great opportunity to, you know, recapture the presence of the first movie. Yes. But they completely bypass it. Yeah. You get like one scene of Lamont standing in the room and then they woof right next to like right to the next scene. It's it's pretty piss poor. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Again, completely abandoning the, uh, uh, the iconic atmosphere, you know, that we we all have fallen in love with when you see The Exorcist, you know? Yeah. Just completely, yeah, fucking stupid, man. <laughs> disrespectful, really. <laughs> to be honest with you. Disrespectful to a great It's pretty movie. disrespectful. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just not even... Because uh, yeah. oh, a lot of sequels will, like, have, like, aspects of it, you know? This just yeah. has nothing. Good nothing. sequel builds on the first movie. Yeah. But this does not. A- or adds to it. Yeah. <laughs> this just adds a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. So Lamont goes back to New York to use the synchronizer with Reagan. But what he does is awakens Pazuzu. Yes. And Pazuzu oh. starts talking to him and says like, oh yeah, I'm, I've been doing this for a while. So who the hell are you to try to take me down? You want to see? Fine, I'll show you. And we see some clips of Father Marin as a young man exercising a boy named Kakumo. Yes. In Africa back in the 30s. This boy had powers. He could heal. He could fight Pazuzu. Again, does not come up. (laughs) And apparently Pazuzu... Oh, we also learned the name Pazuzu. He appears as a swarm of locusts. And that was filmed very weirdly. Like, they were trying to do it from the bug's perspective, but it just didn't work. It looked horrible. (laughs) Lamont goes back to the Vatican and is like, all right, Marin was not a heretic. Ah, there's your there's your title there. Yeah. And I think I know how to fight Pazuzu. And they're like, you're still looking into demons? Dude, we're the good church now. Satan, no, no. God, yes. Remember? <laughs> so Cardinal Pope tells him he's off the case. And Lamont's like, damn it, I'm, you know, here's, take my Vatican badge or whatever. I'm going to do this myself. <laughs> he goes to Africa to talk to adult Kakumo. Yes. And this is... Maybe the strangest scene of the movie, Lamont's journey to Africa. Because he goes, to, it goes to all sorts of places. It, it's not edited very well. Nope. He talks to Kakumo in like a hut, and then he wakes up, and he's in like a a lab with like Kakumo in a lab coat and glasses. Yeah, I don't what the f- hell? Yeah. Or they're doing some kind of locust test where like, we can make the swarm good again. We can take the evil and make it good again. Like, you, what's happening? Do you get what I'm saying? The evil can be good again. They really hammer it home. Yeah. <laughs> We're not stupid. <laughs> we get the metaphor. James Earl, we got gotcha. you. <laughs> I don't need Mufasa telling me how to fight evil. Go, I know go, what to do. Go be Darth Vader, man. Come on. <laughs> Why are you here? I'm sorry you had to be part of this. Yeah. <laughs> was it just five years later he was the bad guy in Conan the Barbarian? Yeah. Yeah. What was his name in that? Shaga, Chagra, something. I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, tangent. 
Good okay. Shit, good shit. <laughs> Sorry, I was busy thinking of a good movie. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Your your mind is like you're subconsciously just reeling for anything, you know. <laughs> pile of shit. Pile of shit. So Go in away. Africa, Lamont learns Pazuzu attacks people who have a form of psychic healing, and Regan shows this power when she helps an autistic kid talk again. <laughs> okay, now Regan can heal, but it helped when she you know hurled that pedophile out the window in the first movie. Yeah. Would have probably saved her family some grief if she just, you know, force-healed that motherfucker back. (laughs) Oh, my God. Father Karras maybe brought him, you know, hey, let me hold you for a second. All right. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, boy. You got to see the new Star Wars. You'll totally know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> I I'm, uh, don't know if I'm ever or when I'll do that. I well, don't know. there's a magical new power that shows up called Force Healing. I believe it. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it on the internet. Yeah. Completely erases yeah. every significant moment of I all like the other movies. I, I really like that noise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what it sounds like when you get healed magically. Yeah. You know, I'm <laughs> like sort of glad I never got into Star Wars because of like how it's just kind of fucking crashed like i said it's a goddamn weekend dad it never (laughs) makes you happy but then there's those brief moments where he brings you a chocolate bar and you're like oh i remember the laughs we used to have (laughs) but no (laughs) then you remember oh yeah he's dating a stripper and he ruined my family (laughs) but um i digress one of these days, we're going to have to do a full Star Wars episode just so I can unpack all this shit. <laughs> it sounds like it. it. Sounds like it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Star Wars Connor keeps popping out randomly in episodes. And one of these days, he's going he's gonna to say some shit. Star Wars Connor's like a, like a drunk version of you. Yeah. <laughs> he's a constantly pissed off. Oh, okay. Uh... Your alter ego, yeah. <laughs> We're all possessed by something. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, it happens, man. Especially when you want to love something so bad, and they keep stabbing you in the heart. You know, dude. Especially last year, because I had that happen with X Men, with Star Wars, with Game of Thrones. Oof. Everything I loved ended Oof. in a way that fucking kicked me in the balls. El Camino. El Camino gets better with. I don't put that in the same league as all that. It's other not shit. that bad. It's not that. This bad. that was. Had some f- moments. I watched it recently after finishing a Breaking Bad rewatch. It's way better. Way better. The movie? Uh, yeah, El Camino. Yeah. There's still a lot of problems. I'm going to give you that. Yeah, no, it, it it does have, like, awesome moments. And it's yeah. so so precious to see that, you know, like, to see those characters. But fuck, the, like, plot of it is just not yeah. for me. Candy welding, I didn't need that. <laughs> exactly. That, that will always stand out to me. That it's hurts the like, film big time. What was the point of that? Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing anything to talk about to not talk about for more on that check out our bonus on El Camino a Breaking Bad movie how can we distract <laughs> ourselves from The Exorcist 2 alright James Earl Jones James Earl Jones why not where is he at so are we in where, where are we at again now psychic uh, healing Africa or we're in the Af- lab yeah we're in the, the lab in Africa or maybe the <laughs> hut we're not sure Lamont might have the same place there's yeah. like a you know one of those doors that you go through the rest of the movie might just be lamont dying of heat stroke in the desert we don't know solid dream so kakumo has become a scientist apparently so the whole thing in the hut didn't really happen uh and he's preventing grasshoppers from becoming locust swarms saying you know we can save them we have the technology 
And back in the U.S., Regan is able to reach into people's minds telepathically, and she, again, uses this to help an autistic girl speak. So Regan has healing powers, which is why Pazuzu went after her in the first movie. Makes it a lot, a lot less random and terrifying. Yes. That's kind of the whole point. You know, the whole point of The, of the Exorcist is that anyone can be a target. Exactly. Of supernatural evil. It doesn't matter if you're a little girl, if you're an old man, it doesn't matter if you're a good man, a bad person. It just wants you. Yeah. No one's immune. But apparently, you're fine if you can't heal people. So, good. That's most of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. And what is it like? Does it eat that power? Like, how do we know that, though? How, how, if you could heal, like if I could heal, how would I know that I could? Well, I'll stab myself. And if, yeah, but you, what can, I do? if you can heal me, then yeah, you have it. If but not, if you die, well, but what if I, you know, like in Spider-Man, when he keeps trying to figure out how to do the webs mm-hmm. in the, uh, the Sam Raimi one, uh, what if I keep trying things and they don't work and you die? Well, then I don't have to talk about Exorcist 2 anymore, so we all win. Right. <laughs> and that would be the end of Filmgasm, so... Yeah, but it'd be a hell of an ending, wouldn't it? If this is the you last episode, you killed me on cam- on like Mike. Yeah, and I, I upload it and just leave. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. Whoa. I don't know. I just I think it's a cop out. I think it it takes you know everything that's scary about the first movie to kind of suck it away a little yeah. bit at a time. That's why I like third movie so much because they brought it back to random scary evil fundamental. Yeah, and you got George C. Scott as a tortured cop. That Come on. that's that's big time. Yeah. yeah. That's big time. Brad Dourif is a serial killer. Yeah, if you in, if you introduce a legitimate new cool character, that's cool. That's awesome. Written and directed by William Peter Blatty. Bring it on. This did not do that. I can't wait to do Exorcist 3. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We talked about long ago doing that as its own episode way before the book. Oh, yeah. Well, that just... I mean, I mean, the amount of bonuses we could do through Scott. Come on. Jesus H. Motherfucking Patton. Come on. Oh, yeah. There's so many. Yeah, we don't even want to, I don't even want to go there. It's too exciting. Well, it'll happen one day. So, Father Marin, it's revealed, belonged to a group of theologians who believed that psychic powers were a spiritual gift which could one day be shared among all mankind through a global consciousness. Okay. Do we need that? Does that really help? Any, does that enhance our viewing experience? Father Marin, in addition to being an experienced exorcist, was also a, kind of a nut. <laughs> he thought people like Kakumo and Reagan were kind of the, the forebearers of this power. That they were the, the next generation of humanity. And in a vision, Marin's ghost asked Lamont to watch over Reagan. And Lamont kind of goes completely insane after this. Yeah. And just stops talking to people and just wanders onto a train and like, waits for Reagan without actually telling her what he's doing. It's very rude. (laughs) He goes back to New York, and Lamont and Reagan, who both have been talking psychically this whole time, know what they have to do. They have to go back to Georgetown, and that's kind of all we get. (laughs) We don't know why they have to go back to Georgetown. They're followed by Gene and Sharon, who are concerned for Reagan's safety. They think that Lamont's crazy and that He's dragging Reagan back into crazy to awaken her memories, and that's going to drive her mad. So Jean's trying to stop this. Sharon's just like, Mom's going to be pissed if I don't bring her back. <laughs> and Pazuzu tempts Lamont by offering him unlimited power. And I, this scene was so funny to me, because Lamont reaches out and is like, I have, not temp- I have not called on you 
Pazuzu. I, I have I rely on God. And Pazuzu basically just says, Come on. Really? And Lamont's like, okay, so where help me, Pazuzu. Where can I find like it did not take much. No, no, no. <laughs> For a priest who is on a first name basis with Cardinal Pope to just completely disregard God is like, all right, demon, show me where to find this guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice doing business with you. Please. Oh my god. So while in the house, Pazuzu tempts Lamont, says, I will give you unlimited power. And he appears as a doppelganger of Reagan. Evil Reagan from the first one. Reagan is just like, what is going on? Because she keeps getting attacked by locusts and breaking house. Lamont succumbs to the demon, brought back by Reagan. I don't remember any of this happening. <laughs> I watched it. But none of this makes any goddamn sense. No, I don't remember. <laughs> I thought this happened at the beginning. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, man. So, Reagan uh, helps Lamont come back. He attacks the doppelganger by, like, jumping her. Yeah. Uh, swarm of locusts consumes them. The whole house crumbles. Everyone start like on the streets start looking at this. And uh, Lamont manages to kill the doppelganger by ripping its chest open and pulling out its heart. Bazuzu is dead? <laughs> sure. Can I, you yeah. do that to a... Hallucination? Don't know. Is it a metaphor, I guess? For this movie is over and bad? Regan banishes the locusts and Pazuzu by doing exactly what Kakumo did to get rid of locusts in Africa. She puts on a lab coat, she puts on some glasses, and she starts... No, I'm just kidding. She she does what like Desert Hut Pazuzu does. I mean, uh, Kakumo does. She's kind of like, brah! Banishes Pazuzu with the power of... James Earl Jones. <laughs> yeah. Outside the house, Sharon dies from burn injuries after she fucking lit herself on fire. And Gene is like, what is going on in my life right now? I should sell that synchronizer and make a lot of money. That's what I would be thinking anyway. Yeah. I mean, get the fuck out of this situation and, you know. Don't look back. Become the person who invented dreamwalking. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Gene tells Lamont to watch over Reagan. Reagan and Lamont leave. Gene stays at the house to answer the cops' questions, and Lamont and Reagan just kind of fuck off. I guess they're going to go train to make her a Jedi or some shit. I don't know. This movie is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> That's the end of it. God awful. What a train wreck. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah, this is uh, like top of the list for why did this get made, you know? For who? This was, I don't... Fine. How much money did it make? $30 million on a budget of fourteen. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. everyone was like, Exorcist 2? Oh my yeah. God. I'm going to take a date to this, and it's going to be and the it probably, movie And it ever. probably made that like on opening weekend, and then all of us people were like, don't go! Nope. And then it stopped making money. That's why Exorcist 3 didn't do so hot, because everyone remembered Exorcist 2. There you go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> if that, that had been Exorcist 2... the beginning of 2? the demise, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Here's some film guys and facts for you. It's number one, Stanley Kubrick turned down the offer to direct. When John Borman accepted... Good call. Yeah, good call. What Around this time, 77, Barry Lyndon, he just did. Yeah. So if he'd done Exorcist 2, he might not have done The Shining. Yeah, good call. Kubrick warned him that the only way a sequel to The Exorcist would succeed is if it were more, if it were more graphic and horrific than the original. Borman decided, nah, fuck all that, and did his own thing. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. 
Number two, at the time of its release, this was the most expensive film produced by Warner Brothers. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, wow. For what? What you guys, What were you guys paying for that stupid thing that was buzzing around? Paying for fake locusts? Yeah. No, I tell you what they were paying for: Richard Burton. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Number three, William Peter Blatty, author of the original novel, reportedly had to stifle his own laughter upon viewing the film at the premiere. <sighs> Number four, this is going to surprise you. Martin Scorsese was one of the few people who liked the film. Wow. Yeah. Quote, the picture asks, does great goodness bring upon itself great evil? This goes back to the book of Job. It's God testing the good. In this sense, Reagan is a modern-day saint like Ingrid Bergman in Europe 51, and in a way like Charlie in Mean Streets. I like the first Exorcist because of the Catholic guilt I have and because it scared the hell out of me, but the heretic surpasses it. Maybe Borman failed to execute the material, but the movie still deserved better than it got. This has Martin Scorsese's seal of approval. I can't believe that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he, you know, was a little uh, drunk when he watched it or something, or a little coke. Maybe he and Bobby got high as fuck and went to see Exorcist 2 after Taxi like, Driver Dude, wrapped. this is all over the place. Yeah, it is. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I don't know. I Sorry, Marty. I, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> yeah. Number five. This film is listed among the top ten best bad films ever made in Golden Raspberry Award founder John Wilson's book, The Official Razzie Movie Guide. Yes, indeed. I give Exorcist 2 a 5. It's a weak movie, and probably the worst we've done in the show so far. Not the worst we're ever going to do, but it's pretty bad. Yeah, give it, yeah I'll give it a, a 4. Yeah, I just don't. Don't recommend this. Don't. Um, yeah, don't watch it. No. <laughs> don't watch it. You probably, yeah, you know, if you want to laugh at what we were talking about, maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. Or if you're like a perfectionist and you like want to watch every part of the extras, go See, for it. when it comes to films, I have to, I have to franchise completely. I'm, I'm kind of like that as well. Yeah. And I know there's other people like that out there too. So. Even the shitty ones, I have to. Yeah. So yeah, go for it. You know, just uh, make sure you have something else to do in the meantime, because it's, uh, yeah. It's I like to be optimistic. I like to think that, oh, they probably just didn't see what I'm going to see in the movie. And I've had that happen before. I've yeah, watched movies that were critically panned, and I've watched it and was like, this is really good. Of course. So I always try to give every film the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But fuck this movie. <laughs> Having yeah. said that, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, it's pretty rough. So, what are we doing for Friday? For Friday, we're going to stay in the realm of, you know, sequels. Yeah. We figured, since this is our first official sequel episode, let's do a sequel to a past episode. So what, exactly. did we, what did we decide on? Uh, I decided on, uh, you know, John Carpenter, of course. We're going to go with his sequel of to Escape from New York, which is Escape from L.A. <laughs> also starring Kurt Russell. It's a lot of fun. Much different pace than um, The Exorcist 2. <laughs> uh, Escape from L.A., obviously, it doesn't have the greatest uh, reputation. No. But I will tell you what. That one, that one I would, I would, I would pay $2.99 to watch. Because you know what, it's 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 fun. It it, it kind of knows what it is for for now. Maybe at the time it didn't, but it kind of knows what it is. It's, it's pretty wacky. It's got these actors. You know, uh, my my favorite is Steve Buscemi. To see him, you're like, what the hell's going on? Map to the stars, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. It felt, felt like the right pick. Escape from New York, of course, is one of our favorite episodes we've done with your yeah. uncle Sean. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter is one of our favorite filmmakers. It'll be a little bit fun to kind of poke poke at that movie a bit, while at the same time just kind of enjoying. The fun parts of it and how entertaining it is. True. Very true. 
So Friday we'll have Escape from LA for you, and that'll be a really fun one to do. Yeah, and then we'll actually have a um, surprise surprise uh, Sunday. Surprise, yeah. current, surprise current episodes on Sunday. Oh, yeah. For those of you who've been following us, you probably can guess what that's going to be. Yeah. But uh, yeah. you'll see. <laughs> yeah. Sunday. We got something coming out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Sun- Sunday, whenever, you know, that'll be our film. It'll be an actual current movie. It's exciting. Yeah. Probably the last one for a very long time. The yeah, way who knows how right that's all going to work out. Yeah. Speaking of, let's take a look at what happened this week in film. Yes. Reanimator director Stuart Gordon died at age 72 from multiple organ failure. He's a big name in the horror community. Have not seen Reanimator. Neither I would very much like to. Same. It's in the book. We'll get to it. Next up, character actor Mark Blum has died at age 69 from complications due to coronavirus. Blum appeared in such films as Crocodile Dundee and Desperately Seeking Susan, as well as TV shows like Mozart in the Jungle, You, and Succession. He's the first real, like, celebrity to be taken down by this thing. Yeah. And regrettably not the last. China reopened their movie theaters briefly, only to be ordered by the government to close them again less than a day later. Yeah. It looked happy, and then they took it away again. Pretty depressing. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is in talks to star in an adaptation of the old school video game Dragon's Lair for Netflix. You ever played Dragon's Lair? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I fucking hate that game. Yeah. I I don't know why... that's interesting. Like, seems like there's a lot of other things he could do. With oh, Netflix. dude, there's every single ever since I think Sonic the Hedgehog, that opened the floodgates for so many video games. It does not matter how old or how nonsensical they're going to turn everything into a movie now. Yeah, they needed just one to work, and it was Sonic the Hedgehog. Hey, yikes! <laughs> yeah, because like I guess you know, well, it wasn't like uh, Fazbender in Fazbender in. Uh, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Creed. That was such a terrible movie. I didn't see that. I didn't really play that game, but I remember it being a really popular game, or it is a popular yeah. game, I'm a, and yeah. he's an awesome actor. I'm a big fan of the game. It starred Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, Jeremy Irons, and Brendan Gleeson. It was directed by Justin Kurzel, who did a fantastic Macbeth a few years ago, and it was one of the yeah, most terrible movies. I like Macbeth. One of the terrible movies of the decade. I was so pissed. They ignored the game. They tried to do their own thing. Like you've got Weird. so much source material there, and you just ignore it. That's bizarre. Yeah, with a cast like that, how do you fuck up? I don't know. Ugh, Assassin's Creed. That and Ratchet and Clank were very disappointing to me, because I'm just a big fan of the games. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank's a great game. One of the best PS2 games for sure. Yeah, it's tough, man. Then <laughs> you've got, like, like Doom. I, I love that movie for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know <laughs> what you mean. I know what you mean. Oh. Uh. Ryan Gosling is set to star in a new sci-fi film from Andy Weir, author of The Martian, titled Project Hail Mary. Hell yeah. The book is set for release in spring 2021, with a film set to follow soon after. Andy Weir became hot shit with The Martian. Yes. And I'm sure this is going to be good, too. If Gosling's involved, I'm involved. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, you, immediately you go to The Martian, space, cool. Ryan Gosling, first man, space, cool. Should be good. That's exactly how the studio meeting went, I guarantee you. <laughs> Yeah. Ryan Gosling, space, cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Gosling, good looking dude, space. All right. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson has announced that a Hobbs and Shaw sequel is in the early stages of development. I like Hobbs and Shaw. I'm on board. Well, uh, is this really news? I mean, we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, but. They pumped these out like it's nobody's business. Honestly, I want them to just kill the Vin Diesel side of this. Just 
All that shit, go away. I don't give. He's a, still on it. I don't give a fuck about the Toretto's. I don't care about their family drama. I've seen Vin Diesel's tank top. He's in like the very first one, right? Yeah. Jeez, man. And so, how many other? Like ten? There will be ten next or nine next year. Nine. And it's a spinoff. But the spinoff is Fast Eight. Is Fast. The Rock and the Stath kicking ass yeah, around Hobbs the globe? Yeah, yeah. I'm on board with that because I love both of them. Fuck the rest of it. I don't need it. Yeah. So. So you're not like a big fan of the franchise. You like more like those characters? Yes. Okay, I see. One through four, god awful. I haven't seen, I haven't really, I've seen all of Tokyo Drift all the way through. <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> I think I'm good Dude, on that franchise. It's always the same shit, but now they're like, they're international well, superheroes I mean, or something. Oh yeah, they look gorgeous. Those movies are brilliantly, you know, they crafted films because they spend a crazy amount of money and they have the best of the best in that well, department once the rock showed up quality of the films went up people actually started going then you had that tragic daddy's death of gotta paul go walker. to work tragic death of paul walker actually like you know skyrocketed yeah. the, the uh, yeah. box office returns for seven and then eight and now there's a ninth coming out with fucking john cena but Hobbs what is, yeah. john cena's in it yeah he's gonna be the Hobbs bad guy in part eight. nine I, I think we that. talked about this on the show. This must be really forgettable for you. It is. <laughs> I don't. My mind is not. I don't. It, none of it is filled up. According with. to the trailer, John Cena is Vin Diesel's secret evil t- brother. All right, I've, I've seen this trailer. I've seen yeah, it. John Cena is like it's a trailer that revealed the angry. entire goddamn movie. John Cena is angry. Yes. Yeah. And this time, The Rock's not there to pull Vin Diesel's ass out of the proverbial fire. So is Ludacris in it? Yeah. Is um. Michelle Rodriguez in it? Of course. Is Leighton Meester in it? Is that her name? Jordana Brewster. Oh. Wrong. Wrong. That's hilarious. Mid-20s brunette, <laughs> 2000s actress. <laughs> Leighton Meester um, is... Who else was in those? Tyrese. Yeah, there you go, Tyrese. Of course. Um, um, Donkey Kong? Uh, <laughs> they're just... Bow Wow? Is Bow Wow in them? I don't think Bow Wow's in them. Ja Rule was in the first one, but then his Bow Wow was in Tokyo Drift, is why I asked. Ja Rule got greedy, and then they replaced him with Ludacris in part two. Because he's like, I want Yikes. double, and they're like, fuck you, we'll get someone so else. So then you have Ludacris with the fro and Too Fast, Too Furious, Yeah, right? then he yeah. showed up again in part five, which was like... And the, he's like, we're going to Rio. I've seen that clip or whatever. Yeah. Part five is like the car movie Avengers, because they all come yeah. back to help him. Well... Maybe it would be fun to do these to do those one day. Oh my like, god! Uh, a weird shit Wednesday on the Fast and Furious yeah. franchise because I've never really seen them. You know, Jesus, that would. I mean, I might be miserable, but get know. ready for like Latino dance music and a <coughs> shit ton of hot babes, one liners, one liners, cars, and speeches about family. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't, I'm not like into cars like at all. <laughs> I don't, yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> I like I've never I've never understood the fascination with cars. I'm here for the babes and the stunts. And the, and, and and the 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 fucking wide shots of like giant cars smashing, right? I forgot. Like, guess who pops up in part 7? Mr. Kurt Russell. Oh, there you go. That's great. As a CIA man who oh, suddenly needs the help of I some didn't... street racer from LA. I was hoping you'd be a stunt guy, you know. <laughs> Stuntman Mike shows up, that'd be yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. One day, one day I'll maybe watch them. Those know? movies are a fucking joke, but I'm gonna keep seeing them because, as I've said many times in this show, I am Hollywood's bitch, and I am proud to admit that. Well, proud's maybe not the right word, but I am going to admit that. 
gonna own it. Yeah. yeah. You can't you can't do a, a film podcast without being Hollywood's bitch. To some extent. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Otherwise, how would we keep current with what's going on in the film industry? I mean, there's nothing going on now, but usually there's something going on. I mean, we, last year we, we were pretty evident of that. Next up, Jason Bateman is no longer directing the Clue remake. That honor now goes to James Bobbin, director of The Muppets, Muppets Most Wanted, Alice Through the Looking Glass, and Dora in the Lost City of Gold. All right. So I'm smelling a kid's movie. I'm out. <laughs> out. Oh, God damn it. I was in. I was so in. Yeah. So in. I was get I was getting like uh, game night vibes. Yes. Yes. One of the best purebred comedies of the decade. <laughs> I like I'll stand by that. The movie's fucking hilarious. And one of Jesse Plemons' best performances of his career. <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was really looking forward to that. It's been so long since I saw that. Dude. It's a great I own it too. I should Game Night is great. Game Night's hilarious. Great. I was not expecting much from that. So. Neither was I. Neither My was I. favorite gag is the the woman like the guy's wife who's convinced that she slept with Denzel, but it's just some asshole. Oh man. <laughs> I love that whole bit. Some guy And it, uh, it was, you know, I gotta say, uh when that came out uh, when I was working at Draft House. And uh I probably wouldn't have seen it if I didn't see how many fucking people were going to see that movie. I was like, damn, this is popular. People kept coming, people kept coming, and I would kind of see bits of it, and I'd be like, fuck, this looks pretty good. Like, I think I'm going to come check it out. I did, I'm really glad I did. Yeah. And that was, there, there was a few movies that did that. I, I sat down and watched, like, The Greatest Showman because of that. Because I was like, man, this is doing, like, hot. Like, people are, people love this shit, you know? I'd, I'd see some of the same people coming back. You know, that kind of thing. And I, you know, working at a theater, sometimes that can happen where you're like just kind of influenced to like, all right, by sheer like word of mouth and how people are just keep coming to this, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, that shit can happen. It's a lot of that. Yeah. I, uh, back to the point though, uh, <laughs> clue. That would have been really cool to yeah. get, to get it. I, I just, I, I felt in my head the atmosphere of game night with clue, that kind of humor, but also a little bit more serious, a little more, uh, you know, I just thought it would have been great. Mm. Well, you know, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe it's James Bobbin's first grown-up movie. Yeah, you know, that can happen a lot. Ryan Reynolds like, is still attached. That that that's a good point. That can happen a lot where like someone almost like uh graduates. Yeah. To to like from, you know, like the kid the kid zone to like more like young adult. And that, that I'm fine with that too. Just just give me some give me some grit. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't make it PG. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, oh yeah. It's tough. And on, to finish this off, the latest movie casualties to the coronavirus, Sony has delayed Ghostbusters, Afterlife, Greyhound, Morbius, Peter Rabbit 2, Uncharted, and possibly the Venom sequel until 2021. Yep. It's looking like there may be no more movies released in 2020 if this keeps up. Dark days to be a film fan. And that's all for this week, guys. Next week, we journey back to the faraway year of 2000 to a film that came and went despite an all-star cast. An FBI agent convinces a social worker to use experimental tech to enter the mind of a comatose serial killer so she can find out where he hid his last kidnapped victim. Starring Jennifer Lopez, Vince Vaughn, Dylan Baker, and Vincent D'Onofrio, it's The Cell. Another rando pick from the book, one that neither of us has seen? Nope. Here's hoping I, I hadn't even heard of this movie. Here's hoping it's better than Exorcist 2. I doubt it can be worse, but... We'll see. We'll see, man. Until next week, don't press your luck with Pazuzu. But if you do, 
better check with your doctor because it's probably just a very serious case of nerves. Mm-hmm.